This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture lesson that was read earlier came from Paul's letter to the Roman church. The 15th chapter and the reading was from the first to the fourth verses. Allow me to just read the first two. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. The golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It is a proverb which assumes that every person has good intentions towards themselves, therefore they are compelled to offer those same good intentions to others as well. Uh-huh. But here's the problem. What happens when you don't care about yourself or what happens to you? What happens when you become so indifferent to everything around you that you have no care or concern one way or another for anything in life, even yourself? Seems to me, like in this scenario, if you are inclined to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you might not be so good to others. In other words, if you don't care what people would do to you, then you really don't care what you do to others. This is a problem. We live in a very cynical world today. People are apathetic, insensitive, callous, and uncaring. We have become a nation of opportunists and exploiters that are overly competitive and individualistic. Our obsession with materialism driven by hypersexuality is compounded by overstimulation of media and commercialization that unless we are constantly being entertained, we have no sense or awareness for the needs of others around us. We have become desensitized to the problems of others and so we have no idea of the value to be derived from helping other people. Our selfishness, and I'm telling the truth, our selfishness seems to know no bounds. And in our relationships with one another, especially in matters of opinions, our entire communities have become divided. So unless we learn how to deal with our differences, we'll continue to be divided, continue to destroy our communities, and continue to weaken our testimonies. It is with all of this in mind that I want to speak a message I've titled today, The Burden Bearer. The Burden Bearer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have come now to the preaching hour. Spirit of the living God, we invite you here and you are here. Now, Lord, speak back to your people a word that is on time for their hearing 
A word, Lord, that will help them to see themselves the way you see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is a truth. We, you and me, are all predisposed to thinking about our own needs and our own wants over and above everything else in life, especially before other people. We're naturally self-absorbed, naturally self-reliant, naturally self-serving, and in a phrase, naturally selfish. And as a result of all of this, we as human beings are capable of unimaginable cruelty to one another. That vicious nature, it really knows no bounds. And people resort to criticizing, insulting, bullying, assaulting, killing, and torturing each other more and more as a way of exercising power. And if given the right circumstances, we will continue to leverage this control over people unless something or someone else stops us. <laughs> and with knowing all of this, question we ask ourselves is how much of this horrific behavior would we like to have visited upon ourselves so why is it so difficult to think of others before we think of ourselves why is it so difficult to put aside our own selfish wants unless it benefits us in some way why is it so easy for us to take the opportunity to take advantage of everyone if given the chance and why is it so difficult church to love our neighbors as ourselves we know the answer the answer is sin however i'm not sure we ever took the time to think about and consider the implications of not looking out for the interests of others so our text begins this way paul says now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves that's what it says in the text so on the surface most people read this and think that paul is talking about physical strength for the truth is common sense would tell us that a weak person should always be helped by a stronger person Every part of us believes that to be true. But to be quite honest, I don't think Paul is talking about physical or emotional strength at all. I think Paul is talking about spiritual strength. Yeah. You see, and to be more specific, I think he's talking about the difference between strong believers and weak believers. Yeah. Paul uses the pronoun we as a way of aligning himself with those that are considered strong believers. And he further makes the comparison that as strong believers, we ought to bear the weaknesses of those that are without strength. Yeah. We're also to do it in such a way that we are not to please ourselves. How many of you know that you may have some knowledge, you may have some skill, and you know there are people who don't have the same knowledge and don't have the same skill and you go out of your way to show them how smart and how good you are as a way of embarrassing them well. how many of you would agree that sometimes we lord it over other people because we think we are all that and more mm. paul says the strong ought to bear the burden of the weak yeah but but what is it about pleasing ourselves that has gotten the attention 
of the Apostle Paul. And if that were not puzzling enough, Paul says we need to go the extra step to please our neighbors instead. So Paul is saying, don't please yourself, but please your neighbor instead. Especially if you are a strong person and they are weak. Well, context matters. And whenever we read the Bible, it's important to understand how Paul sees this relationship between those who are strong in the faith and those who are weak. And so we need to understand a little bit about what it was like in Rome at the time when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. At the time of the, and just a little history, at the time when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, the city of Rome was actually like a lot like New York. It had influences from everywhere, especially from the Greeks. And the Greeks had a whole different way of thinking about stuff. But also in Rome, they had something called emperor worship. Emperor worship. What do you mean? To the Romans, the emperor was like a god. And in fact, he, the, the emperor claimed that he knew more than his generals. That's how the emperor would talk. He, he knew more than the generals, and he was the least racist person you ever met. That's the emperor in Rome. On, These are the things the, Rome, the Roman emperor would say. And he would say things like he could shoot someone on Vatican Avenue and would get away with it. Are you all hearing me in your spirits? That the emperor was someone who they created a cult-like following for this emperor. That's what it was like in Rome yeah. at the time when Paul was writing this letter. And it was so much, the people, they revered the emperor so much that if the emperor lost anything, he would say it was rigged. I'm just talking about the emperor in Rome. You may be hearing something else, but I'm talking about the emperor in Rome. But during this time, most of the people in Rome were worshipping all different kinds of gods. They, they had all kinds of gods that they were worshipping, but the Christian community was also growing at the same time. Now these Christians, they were not like how we are, where we come together in this wonderful edifice and we have worship. These Christians, they were worshipping in these little houses. And they were having their own little worship experiences, and they were growing, and they were growing more and more in Rome. Now, if you think about it, as they were growing, the people in Rome were figuring out that they were Christians. And so they started to face persecution. And they were facing intense persecution. This is Rome. I'm taking you there into the city. Now, if you think about it, if you live in a city where most of the people believe in everything and anything, here you come talking about one God, one faith, one baptism and Jesus being the only way if you're talking to those people and that's what you're preaching you too are going to come under some serious persecution yourself in fact if the entire society believes that it's okay to divorce for any reason even something called irreconcilable differences where same-sex unions are okay where polygamy is okay, where a person's right to choose depends on what other people feel about it. When you come along, here you come along now, talking about divorce is forbidden, and marriage is between one man and one woman, and it makes sense then that you would face opposition in Rome. It 
the people don't believe what you think your God is telling you and you are preaching those messages, why on earth do you think you would be exempt from persecution? So the people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, faced intense persecution from a society that no longer looked the same. In fact, now to be clear, I'm not making a political statement about anything. I'm still just talking about Rome. <laughs> so the people faced hostility in Rome, but the Christians in Rome began to experience even greater persecution under the rule of a specific emperor by the name of Nero. He was so brutal that historically it's known that he used to catch Christians, catch them, and set them on fire to provide light for his gardens at night. Now, I don't know how many of you can identify with anything so brutal, but the point that I'm making is that you imagine if things can become so brutal in your life, how long will it take you for you to continue to tell people you're a Christian? If you are facing certain persecution where your faith is being tested to the point where it could mean your very life, how long will it take before you say, I don't know him? I don't know the man. Because we blame Peter and we say Peter denied him three times and we're like, Peter, how could you be so bad? As a matter of fact, remember at the Last Supper, it was Peter who was like, Lord, I would die for you. Yeah. I would do anything for you. But now, all of a sudden, when the rubber meets the road, on, when pressure starts to come into your life, all of a sudden, I don't, I, I, it's not me, it's somebody else. But you're a Galilean. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But, but wait a second. You're from New York City. No, 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 no. I'm Jamaican. You change to whatever you need to change in order to conceal the thing that you believe. So my brothers and my sisters, what I'm telling you is that when Paul wrote this letter, Paul had a concern about the strong believers and the weak believers. There was an issue there. And my reason for telling you all of this is that when you are facing persecution from the outside, there is something to be said about facing persecution also on the inside. Different people inside these house churches started feeling differently about what was going on. They started to have different beliefs. You, you know, it's almost like, you know how the Baptists believe that if you're gonna baptize somebody, they gotta go under the water? And Methodists, like us, believe, well, the power's not in the water, so we can sprinkle and we can pour and we can dunk, right? We can do all of that. But, but somehow, somehow, that kind of division was starting to stir. And depending on how you believe doctrinally, it can impact the strength of your faith. And these, import, these differences, brothers and sisters, they are important to talk about. But <laughs> Paul was concerned, not so much about your doctrinal beliefs, as much as he was concerned about the strength of your faith. You see, while you and I can disagree about how to baptize, or on which day of the week to worship, like our Seventh-day Adventist brothers. We can disagree on, on those kinds of things. It's an entirely different thing when your belief is open to other doctrinal influences. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, church, because I want you to stay with me. If doctrinally you believe in the commandment that says, thou shalt not kill, if 
you believe that with all of your heart, soul, mind, and your strength, does your faith get weakened when you have to make a decision about removing life support of your loved one? How strong is your faith when you feel like a decision you're making is killing your own mother? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there are issues that when you walk with God and you're in the church, you believe one thing until the rubber meets the road. Where your faith starts to be a little wobbly. And if we are honest in this church, there are times where even the very foundation of what we believe starts to get rocky. If we can be honest in the church. So Paul was concerned about the strong who were people, whether Jewish believers or Gentile believers, whether Baptist or Methodist, whether Lutheran or Presbyterian, whether Pentecostal or Reformed, whether Roman Catholic or Assemblies of God. We are so deeply rooted in our work that of Jesus Christ that no matter whatever wind of doctrine comes our way, we shall not be moved. Yes. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. These are the people that Paul calls strong. The people who, yes, I see what's going on in the world, but I will not be moved. I see how the winds of society are changing, but I will not be moved. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about being zealous about what you believe is going on. I'm talking about what God says in his word. You either believe God or you do not. There is no middle room because light has no fellowship with darkness. None whatsoever. Now, I'm not anybody's judge, but I can tell you that I shall not be moved. The strong are the believers that have convicting faith. They are the believers who have been through some storms and came out on the other side. These are the believers who they had seen how God turned their dark days into light mornings. These are believers who had seen how weeping endured for a night, but the joy came in the morning. They are the believers who knew God as a healer, a deliverer, a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness, a counselor, a provider, a friend, and a brother. They are believers who knew that their God was greater and that he was higher than any other. And as far as these believers were concerned, no amount of persecution or demon from hell was going to shake their faith for they knew God and he knew them. Yeah. These were the strong that Paul referred to. The believers who have graduated from feeding on milk toast sermons and were now feeding on well done steak. But not everyone in the church of Rome was like those strong believers. There was also the weak. You see, the weak are the believers who have shaky faith. They are believers whose faith had not yet been tested. They are believers who had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They are believers who like to be entertained in church, so you have to give them a heavy dose of music and celebrity. You know those. They, they, those are the believers who they're okay with a very brief sermon, 
so they can go home to what they really, really want to do. These are the believers who only know God when they're in trouble. These are the believers who only see God as a convenience. Somebody to worship when I got no other choice. And as far, brothers and sisters, as far as these believers were concerned, persecution frightens them and they are easily whisked away with every wind of doctrine. If any false teacher were to come along and tickle their ears or appeal to their emotions, they fall away quickly and even the little faith that they had becomes lost and taken away. These are the weak believers that Paul referred to. Now, to be clear, church, I don't know what category you're in, whether strong believer or weak believer, since I'm not the judge of anyone's faith. I don't even have the right to determine where you are on your faith journey. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. If you are strong, you must help the weak. And how would you know who is weak? Look what Paul says. Everything is in the text. It says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Look, this is what it says. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and to his edification. Paul is telling us everything we need to know. It has to do with looking at who is pleasing who. Yeah. <laughs> If you find that you are preoccupied with pleasing yourself, <laughs> you are weak. If you find that you are easily distracted from the things of God, you are weak. If you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, you are very weak. And if you find that God is distant in your life, brothers and sisters, you are quite weak. But I have very good news. Yeah. I have really, really good news. And the good news is that some of us here are strong. Yes, <laughs> For if you find that, you think more about others than yourself. That's why you're going to Guatemala. You're strong. <laughs> if, you, if you're not easily distracted from the things of God, so when someone comes to you with a little piece of gossip, it doesn't throw you off. You're strong. If you find that God is a constant presence in your life, then my brothers and my sisters, hear me clearly, you are strong. And if you are strong, then you are to make it your mission to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength. I love the fact that the text says those without strength instead of just calling them weak because it removes the stigma of shame and replaces it with hope. You see, if I am weak, then I feel defeated. But if I am without strength, then I can hope to be strengthened. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me, what I'm telling you. This is not milk toast. <laughs> For even if you are strong today, you may be weakened tomorrow by everything that's going on in life. Yeah. But if you are weakened, 
there are some of us here who will strengthen you and that is the hope that comes in Christ this is my message for you today and this is the message from the Apostle Paul bear one another's burdens when you are strong so that when you become weak others will bear your burdens as well and then and then you can do unto others as you would have them do unto you but the text doesn't end there because we got to go to Calvary the text doesn't end there look more into Paul's instructions it says now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves we got that each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and to his edification we got that but here it is for even Christ did not please himself but as it is written watch this the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me wow listen Paul is letting us know that what he's asking us to do is not without precedent for we have an example by the burden bearer <laughs> the, the Lord Jesus himself I don't know if you caught it it says for even Christ did not please himself but as it is written the taunts of those who taught you have fallen on me let me say that again the taunts of those who taught you have fallen on me it, not only did Jesus who is strong not please himself not only did Jesus who is strong stood silent and faced his false accusers not only did Jesus who is strong endure the beating and the scourging not only Jesus who is strong carry a wooden cross not only did Jesus who is strong experience the nailing and the piercing not only did Jesus who is strong bleed on a cross and die <laughs> not only did Jesus who is strong face and suffer persecution but Jesus Jesus chose not to please himself even saying after doing all of that he even said listen even the taunts the persecution of those who persecute you have fallen on me Jesus paid it all it was complete I don't even know if you hear what I'm saying to you people are going to hurt you and Jesus paid for you but he also paid for the hurt of you Did y'all hear that it didn't just pay for you he paid for the hurt of you 
He took your hurt yes. unto himself. Yes, yes, yes. Even while he was getting persecuted himself. Even the persecution of your persecutors, he bears that burden. And by doing so, Jesus, who is strong, did I make that point? Yeah. Jesus, who is strong, became weakened so that you and I, through his sacrifice, would be made strong. Amen. Jesus became nothing so that you and I could become something. And in your becoming something, he's saying, listen, don't even hold what people are doing against you. Somebody made you mad and you're saved, but the fact that they made you mad is still holding you back. So Jesus is saying, even the thing that made you mad, don't even hold on to that. Let that go as well. Because I paid for you and I paid for the thing that's making you mad. I took that on to myself. So when you do unto others, as you would do unto yourself, you're not doing something where you're still holding on to anger, jealousy, misery, and strife. Either Jesus paid it all or nothing. So when we walk around, those of us who, who believe in the faith and believe that the work of God is a complete work, when you believe that with all of your heart, you are strong in the faith. But there are those among us that have a hard time letting go of the hurt. People have done things to us in places and ways that we, 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 we love God and we love Jesus and we want to be with him and we want to we, we, we wanna experience the fullness of joy in the Lord, but, but I can't let go of this thing. Then my brothers and my sisters, that's who Paul is talking to and that's who I'm talking to today. For the person who knows the Lord but you're struggling with something that you can't let go of, you're a little weak right now. But let Jesus, the bearer of your burdens he already carried it but he has empowered the church he has empowered you some of you and he's empowered me to walk alongside you and to help you bear your burden so that you don't carry it alone we have become so selfish as a society that we have forgotten how to love each other. And we have a hard time loving each other because we have a hard time loving ourselves. Let the work begin first in you. And let us as the church of Jesus Christ help you heal because we need you to heal others. And when you have turned to Jesus in faith, I can now, we can now say, go therefore now and strengthen your brothers and your sisters without 
pleasing yourself, but doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.